God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcos Ortega, and as always, I am joined by the effervescent Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? Great, effervescent. You know, maybe at another point in time, that word may have been a little more applicable than it is today, but I'm doing my very best. Are you starting to feel it a little bit, the grind of of COVID? I'm feeling COVID is like, you know, trying to take us out. And we're like, no, COVID, we're not having it. But then, it, you know, it's like our whole, our our lives have been upended. You know, things are just not, you know, it was like all of a sudden, you know. I mean, one thing, one minute I'm reading about, you know, you know the the fact that we've had cases here and next thing and everything's shutting down and orders are yeah. going out no question and and it's a it's this thing where we were also and and i don't want to get too blamey here but we were also under the impression i'll just put it that way we were under the impression that this wasn't going to be as big of a mm-hmm. deal I mean, I remember when our church was first thinking through, okay, well, how long do, are we probably going to need to be closed? We said, hey, we'll be closed for the next two Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to close for two weeks, and we'll all be back in 14 days. And just gonna, and we had no real long-term plan. We had no no thoughts that we were going to do. The the majority, we were going to say, hey, let's everybody write up pastors, and uh, that'll help fill up the next uh, few days, and we'll be back together again. And now we've had to go full court press into online ministry, which is not something we were (laughs) ready to do because it's gone from two weeks to more than two months, heading towards three months. I mean, this is going to be insane. And and I think what we want to get into today is just talking about what do we how are we doing with this? Like like how the the interruption in our lives has been painful. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, we, we, we come at this from slightly different perspectives. Um, we're both Presbyterians. You're you're in the congregation. I'm a pastor. And so we have some different perspectives there. Um, I'm in New York. You're down in Virginia. And um, we've dealt with this as states in very different ways, um, mainly because of the way New York got hammered by this. You initially. guys are getting hammered. Um, yeah, and we still are. I mean, you know, every, every time we think there's some silver lining, and there is from time mm-hmm. to time, it appears that, you know, by the time this episode comes out, maybe we'll know that we're coming down the other side of the curve. But, oh, my goodness, it has been a rough go of it. And uh, and so I think, Lisa, we're, we don't have a huge agenda for this episode. We just want to talk a little bit and, and say, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll let you go first. How are you doing? You know, um, because I'm not I, I've learned 
I wouldn't say early, it, it, after many years in my Christian walk, um, I learned not to try to wear a big spiritual cape. Um, to be honest about, you know, what I'm experiencing, how I'm feeling, right? Because there's nothing non-spiritual, non-mature about acknowledging when life hits us. I mean, this is something that, you know, reading through the psalm, you know, David um, was very honest and open with the Lord about how he was doing. He, you know, my pastor sent us a, a little paper he did um, just on the Psalms. And then he talked about how, one, how much the Psalms were filled with lament. And that when you look at different passages, you know, you look at different Psalms, they're just, they're just honest and they're expressing what, you know, what you feel. Um, and so there's nothing not, so I, I've, I've learned to just kind of like, you know, let's, let's, you know, the rubber meets the road. Let's, let's just get the real deal out because it's there. That's what drives us to the Lord, not our formulas, not our, you know, little, you know, don't waste your quarantine pep talks. Um, <laughs> don't get me started on that. So, oh, and people, you know, and look, people experience, <laughs> people experience this at different levels in different ways. They're being hit um, in different ways. You know, the, the person like, you know, my husband, it, you know, he still, he works at the VA medical center. So he still gets up and goes to work. The one thing that's changed for him, they have, you know, a few more protocols in place and he hasn't been able to meet with groups. But for the most part, his job hasn't really been impacted. But you have other folks on the other hand, they're, I mean, they're, they're being laid off, they're furloughed. You know, I can, you know, uh, jobs like my son's where they, you know, he works in a movie theater. So that's closed down. And here in Virginia, we have a stay-at-home order until June 10th and yeah, uh, it can be through. rescinded and I'm hoping it will I'm hoping oh, that man. you know based on what the projections are of when it's going to apex that it will be lifted before then but that's rough man I mean I have been working from home for the most part um it, you know I'll go in every now and then uh to the office but even then that's a little shaky you know our numbers here are low but you want well, we want to keep them low and I I'm a numbers oh, yeah, hawk so yeah. I'm watching those numbers every day but back, <laughs> but to the question of how am I doing and 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 again it in it, it impacts us in different ways and for me I think I've been a little it's been disorienting and I find myself you know, kind of meandering a little bit. So I'm not, I think there is a little bit of a grief there, but it's not a, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in the corner sobbing. It's, it's just kind of like a, like, like a numb meandering. And I find myself and I have to mm -hmm. kind of, you know, it, you know, get myself going and get myself focused so that I can, well, so that I can work. I mean, there, there work, there's work, there are things that still need to be done. And I'm, you know, working under a deadline for a writing assignment. And, um, you know, that it's, the, you know, that life still goes on. But at the same time, I'm, you know, just challenged with this disorientation, 
um, you know, uh, being this time of the year, East, you know, Holy Week, Easter, and not being able to really celebrate that, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, you know, I, I got back to the United States on March 15th, and, um, you know, we, we were just realizing then that this was not going to be a two-week break, but that we were going to be in, in this indefinitely. Um, and, and, you know, I, I came back and, uh, all right, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to work out and I'm going to throw on like a Ligonier conference every morning before the kids get up and I'm going to do all those things. And, you know, I got, I've gotten that done a few days out of this, but the majority of the days it's been really hard to get up. Um, you know, it's, it's been, and the reason it's hard to get up is it's hard to sleep. Um, even when you're tired. It's the stress of this. Um, even if it doesn't feel stressful in the moment, it's kind of the, it's like you're carrying a weight as you're mm-hmm. walking and it just starts to wear you mm-hmm. down. And, and that's how it feels for me is, is I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit worn down, you know, and, and uh, it's, it, it's starting to know the people who are sick. It's hearing of people in your congregation who are sick, people who are closer to you who are sick. Um, you mean from COVID? I served in a, from yeah. COVID, yeah. And, and, uh, cause you know, I mean, up, up here in New York, uh, I'm about an hour and a half north of New York City. Um, people in our church, um, live up here and commute into the city, and, and some of them are nurses. So some mm. of the people that we know really well are at New York Presbyterian, stuff like that. Like they're at the front lines of this thing. And, um, that grinds on you as well because you know yeah. you're praying for them you're 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 trying not to worry about them but there's a little bit of that in you um and then you know i served at a church just outside philadelphia for about seven years i was on staff there and um you know one of the members there that uh, i didn't know him well but i knew him it was a church of 300 350 people you know everybody after seven years um and we got news this past week that he had died oh, from Lord. covid and and, you know, it's, it's those kinds of things that are like small hits that just take a toll. Um, I, I'm a, in one sense a church planter and in another sense not. I, I, I qualify that because I never had to fundraise <laughs> and, and I didn't really have to build a team. We do branches out of our church and, um, you know, it's live preaching. Everything is live. It's like a church plant but without the overhead mm-hmm. costs. Um, well, our one-year anniversary was on Palm Sunday. Mm. And we didn't get to celebrate that together. We we had it. We acknowledged it. Um, but that also stings, right? Because that's not that's not something you right. I get to share that serving so hard for the people who have been really um, that was painful. And so it's these small hits that chip away at you. Um, and, and, you know, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, my wife works at a crisis pregnancy center. And, um, you know, we the plan before all this happened was to interview her and, and talk about life issues. And maybe maybe at some point we'll get to that. But, um, you know, she's still going in and seeing patients. Mm. And, um, you know, she's doing all the precautions. You know, she wears the mask. She wears the gloves. She does what she's got to do. Um, but that's already a difficult emotional work. That's the front line of the pro-life yeah. battle. And and now we're also living kind of in the center of the the U.S. portion of this pandemic. And uh, it's just a lot. <laughs> we're starting to feel worn and our family is feeling worn. 
uh, got two kids at home um, who miss their friends and want to go to school and, and can't, and that's tough too. So, you know, we are just praying that God will um, miraculously end mm-hmm. this thing. And uh, if he, um, in his wisdom, allows this to continue, then we pray that we just have the strength to endure through this thing. It's starting to, it's starting to feel rough. Yeah. It's starting to hurt yeah. a little bit. And so one thing that, you know, came out of, you know, when this first came up and churches were ordered, you know, the, the stay-at-home orders were being put in place, and that meant that, you know, gatherings of more than 10 people were out, which meant church services were out. And uh, so then pastors like yourself had to then readjust to um, because you believe in a bodily presence. Um, I have to question the, the ones that really didn't have to adjust. I have questions for them, but that's for an, another episode for another day. Oh, I don't know if that's going to be another episode. <laughs> I might go there. <laughs> but you've had, but I'm for the most saying. part, you, a number of you, you're not, you're not, you're there. That boat is pretty crowded. Like you've had to really <laughs> readjust all in, and in a very short period of time, how do we accommodate pastoring you know how do we accommodate being there for our congregations doing what we're called to do in light of these circumstances that have changed so rapidly you know um how how do we do that so so talk about because here's what i noticed and i'm you know and 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 i know you and i kind of on the same boat in terms of the significance of the bodily presence right we don't want to you know have a gnostic approach um, to, you know, to church. And so, you know, gathering with the saints is, is pretty important. But I think, you know, when, when the rubber meets the road, you know, life hits things that impact us in very real ways. Um, you know, there's a part where we, you know, are theologizing, you know, can take us so far. So it's one thing to, you know, pontificate about the theology of the body. But then, you know, but then there's the hard work, the real work of what you guys have to do to like make this work. So, you know, so talk about that, because I don't know if, if folks are really aware, and especially for those of us who really put a high, um, you know, a high amount of meaning on, you know, thinking, uh, thinking mm-hmm. through our theology and what that means. But we can, you know, we can kind of let escape the real practical implications of what people actually have to deal with. So so talk about how that yeah. is from a from a pastoral perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge challenge. I think first I'd say this, um, pastors need to take on that challenge and they don't need to um, flout and um, disobey what the government has set mm, up for them. Man. They need to stay home. All right. And I think that's the first thing, because, listen, I, I, I do not have room in my theology for a prideful faith. Mm-hmm. And what we are seeing in these pastors who are refusing to listen to what the government is saying, not because the government is trying to shut down the Christian church, but because the government is charged with saving lives, and we as the people of God are to be people of life, they are refusing to listen to the government here, and they are, they are putting people at risk. They are um, 
potentially causing the deaths of people under their care because they refuse to stay home, all to wave a flag of quote-unquote biblical faithfulness. It's nonsense, and um, I think that pastors who are um, truly caring for their flocks have made the hard decision to shut down. I mean, I remember I was in Israel when our church decided not to meet for worship um, the first time, and we we have not met. um, It was... I guess it was it would have been the eighth of that we weren't together. Typically, um, a lot of churches met on the eighth. That city and, and less the city, more our proximity to New Rochelle, which was one of the initial um, hot spots of of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. We just decided, listen, we need to close the doors. And and I think I've said this before. We don't close the doors for anything at Goodwill Church. I mean, if it's a 14-foot blizzard out there, you find your pastors, like, walking through the snow to get the doors open just in case somebody wants to come into worship. Um, So for us to shut the doors was a big deal. We did it because we want to care for the people in our charge. And so I think everything that we're doing as pastors has to revolve around that. How are we caring for our people? And what is it that our people need? Why do people come to church? And I think that there's two primary pieces there. They, they come um, to receive from the Lord, um, to receive his word, to receive the sacraments, to receive um, what God gives us in the ordinary means of grace. And I think the other reason people come is for the fellowship of, of believers, to be with one another and to have those relationships. And so now it's our job as pastors to do our best to facilitate that um, when we can't get together. Um, and so we as a church, you know, we, a lot of churches, even churches that also take very seriously bodily presence, they were already doing things like live streaming their worship services or at least videotaping their worship services and putting them up. We were doing none of okay. that. Um, our audio files were going up. That's the extent of it. We had a website that was kind of like perpetually under construction. <laughs> and, and we had a Facebook page where we kind of posted some stuff sometimes. Um, we, we had a, a very nominal um, online presence. And so we have had to do what some churches do over like a year-long plan. Mm-hmm. We had to turn around and do that in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was brutal. And, and those were two very long weeks. Um, but really what we've done is we've said we have to make sure we are constantly providing content to people so that they feel connected to the church um, also because we want people to have a different voice than what they're getting on the, at the news um, people are always watching the news but even if it's just for an hour a day to get a break from that and dive into God's word we want to provide that for people um, and then we need to take worship seriously so we need to make sure that we're getting our worship services up there and out there and then the bigger challenge is how are we caring for our people and um, so thankfully, you know, we have a team of pastors. We have a pretty large church. And, um, you know, so a couple of our pastors are working with our deacons. Our deacons have already called every member and are working on their second call through. And that's hundreds of people. Like, that's awesome. we, we have. I, I don't like to say that as a bragging way. I'm not saying as a bragging way. I'm saying to call all our members is a feat. And uh, our deacons have really taken that on. It's been incredible. And so what what's been cool is. As pastors, we are deploying our officers to do their work as officers, and that's taken a huge, huge burden off. 
Um, and so I would say to those who are listening, saying, I don't know how to care for my folks. Um, well, pastor, if you're trying to do it by yourself, you're going to really struggle. But if the Lord has granted you officers in the church, like deacons and elders, um, you can bring them alongside as co-workers in this, deploy them well. Um, but, you know, it's crazy how, how far a phone call goes. Mm. Like a 10 minute phone call means the world to your mm-hmm. congregants. And yeah, maybe they want to hear from the pastor. But I tell you what, if, if it's the deacon calling that they, they will learn to love that and and your deacon will learn to love the people they're calling. And, and those relationships are going to last way past this COVID-19. Thing. Right. And it's and, and really so. it's it's just getting the call. You know, in, in my case, yeah. like we got a call from one of the elders the other day. So the elders are making their rounds, you know, um, around the church. Um, you know, at my last church, the the elders were very, elders and deacons, officers, very much involved in, you know, caring for the people as it should be. And so, you know, it sounds to me like that's one way, because I, I have to imagine how frustrating it might be because you're not, you're not a content strategist, right? You know, being a pastor is not, a, <laughs> I know, I know some <laughs> no, people might be confused about that. Uh, but again, that might be another conversation for another day. But you're not called to be a content strategist, right? You, there's, no. Uh, what you do in the pulpit, you know, opening your Bible, that's only a fraction of your pastoral duties. Well, think about the primary metaphor in scripture for what a pastor is, right? It's a shepherd or a rancher, mm-hmm. right? So um, that it, it, you can't, we're trying, but it is incredibly difficult to shepherd your folks from a distance. Like a shepherd isn't overlooking the flock from, you know, from his iPad. Mm-hmm. That's not effective shepherding. You can't just from an iPad, yell at the sheep and ask them to go in a particular direction. You have to be there with the sheep. You have to prote- You can't protect the flock with with an app. <laughs> the wolf's not going to care about the app. And so there are certain things that are um, we're doing everything we can, but it is far from ideal. And I think you know you're asking kind of how are we as pastors doing with this? I think one of the things I would love people to pray about or pray for is. Um, I think all pastors right now feel totally ill-equipped and um, very ineffective. Mm. Um, I have never felt this helpless. Mm. Um, I've I've not been a pastor long, so maybe I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on my second year anniversary in May, so I'm a baby at this. Maybe other pastors are feeling much more empowered, but I'm looking at this and going, hey, um, my seminary... We, we might start seeing those classes as electives. Who knows? <laughs> we might listen up, seminary presidents. But, um, you know, I, I just, I do, I feel helpless. How do, how do you, when you. Mm. Somebody through a Zoom call. Mm. Like, what does presence look like when you're trying to counsel someone through pain and you can't actually be in the room with them? Mm. I mean, these are incredibly difficult things. And I don't know. I don't know of any answers. I think we're all just trying to hold on and get through. Um, But pastoring, there's a way. 
pastors and and um i would say this all this has done is am- good pastor you got to your people you love you don't talk i, I don't talk to him nearly as, as I'd like to you know people calls a day but You're touching your congregation once a month. So, from your perspective, you know we're 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 kind of in in the trenches as pastors right now, trying to figure this out. You know, it's I don't like language of pastors being on the front lines of things. Normally, we're the ones preparing who are going on the front lines in their workplaces and schools and communities. Um, this is one of the few times where I feel like that's been flipped, where most of our folks are, are stuck at home or, um, you know, finding themselves without. You guys have lost your. like working even though you're not going to the office like you still have the world all around you so i wonder what is it like for you where you're at having Mm -hmm. not being able to go to church not being able to go to your small group not being able to you know sit down with one of your girlfriends at Mm -hmm. church and talk through life what has this been for you yeah i mean it's definitely you definitely experience the loss and especially for us you know we so we've been at the church we're we're at now for a year um my husband had been you know attending off and on before we got married and then short after you know after we got married maybe a couple months we kind of you know settled we were looking at this this and another uh church which is incidentally an epc church but um sorry we love you (laughs) We were, you know, so we kind of settled here, but it took a while. We wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, take our, well, one of us, no names mentioned, wanted to take a little more time than, um, you know, I'm, I was ready to like, hey, when's the next membership class? Let's go, let's go. And so, you know, after waiting, you know, having one class pass us by and then we went, um, you know, through this, through the winter, uh, the last uh, time it was offered was in the wind during the winter quarter um, and then so we took our membership vows that last Sunday we met which I actually thought wow. I was concerned that it was going to be canceled so here we took our membership vows and then we can't and then we can't come together you know so that was oh, <laughs> so you know so that's hard it's you know <laughs> We, so we have a Sunday school class. One of the we usually have there are a few Sunday school classes. Um, one of them has been meeting through Zoom, prayer, pray, praying through Scripture. Um, so we, you know, so we're able to do that through Zoom. It's not the same. Um, the worship um, for me now, my church. I know some churches live stream. They decided to pre-record. So, you know, so you get kind of the, some of the liturgy, not all of it, because there's just some you can't do. Um, 
but I'll be honest with you, like last Sunday, I was, I, I was, I was going through it, but kind of felt like I was going through the motions. You know, it was, it was actually a little depressing to me. Um, because I know like, this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, and I think when we're in that situation, I, one of the things that, because we are, we're, you know, we're congregants, we're sheep, there's an expectation you're going, you're meeting together to feed on Christ. And that is led by the leadership of the church. And so there is this expectation that, you know, or there can, there can be this tendency to really lean on the officers of the church, you know, in, in, especially when things go awry. And I think we need, especially after hearing, you know, you talk about your challenges to be mindful that, you know, the pastors are struggling too, um, through, through that. And so I do try to be mindful of that. Um, but it's, it's hard. And I definitely felt it this Sunday. We did our, our small group through a zoom meeting. Um, you know, but it's just not the same. And I, I'm not going to pretend it's the same, you know, it's, it's a makeshift, you know, make do for now. It's temporary. I have to keep in mind that it's temporary. This is not, we're not going to be doing this forever. You know, we'll be able to meet again, um, you know, and keeping that in mind. But it, but it's hard. But we, we, at the same time, we have to acknowledge, you know, that there is something missing. And there is. Oh, absolutely. It, this isn't enough. No. What we're, it, what that's part of the frustration of this is, we're working really, really hard at things that we know aren't enough because it's not supposed to be this mm -hmm. way. It's not designed to be this way. And so, um, you know, if we don't recognize the, the shortcomings of this, what we're doing is misunderstanding the nature of the church. Mm. If we if we kind of get this idea of, oh, well, you know, this is good enough or this is or you know, this is really great. I could do church in my pajamas. And, you know, it, we're, we're missing, I think, a central um tenet of what it means to be a christian is to be gathered together with the saints in the worship of god this isn't good enough nor should it be good enough we're going to pour everything in we can to serve folks but you know I, I would i would encourage pastors maybe by saying i don't know how encouraging this is but no matter how hard you work it ain't going to be good enough because this isn't how it's this isn't how the thing is built you know you can you can you know somehow figure out uh, how to like cook a full Thanksgiving dinner with nothing but a toaster oven. Um, it, it's, it's not going to work out the way right. you want. You're not going to get that turkey cooked the way it should be. It's just not going to happen because it's not how the thing is designed to be made. That's good. And the feast of Christ is not supposed to be done this way. And so we're sitting here with a toaster <laughs> oven trying to get done what you need, like a, a full blown kitchen to do. And, and it's really, um, I hope pastors aren't putting so much of a burden on themselves saying, oh, man, I'm failing because I'm not getting done what I used to be able to get mm -hmm. done. Well, you're never going to because it's different when somebody is, is in front of you, convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and confessing their sin, and you're able to walk with them through that. Do We're doing the same thing y'all are doing. We've pre-recorded it. I mean, we've... We've got as much of the service in there as we can. We've got our music. We've got the prayers. We do everything that we can. The video, it's not ever going to be the same. And um, 
you know, not to say that we can't come out of this, I think, stronger than we mm-hmm. can. Um, and, and so this might sound counterintuitive, but I do think that we as Christians can come through this stronger. Um, and I don't mean that in some kind of a, like you said, like, don't waste your quarantine type of a situation. But what I mean is this. Um, a lot of those things that distract us from our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with mm-hmm. others have been put to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our really full schedules with all the extracurriculars with the kids, that's all been put to the side. Um, those, those really long days in the office, for a lot of us, those have been put to the side. We're working, but we're doing it at home now. A lot of the things that would distract us from our relationship with the Lord and from our relationship with one another have been removed. And so one of the things we've discovered in our church is people are more and more at least more connected to one another than when they were together. All You know, it's kind of a relationship where you spend mm-hmm. a lot of time on the phone and you really get to know each other well because you're just talking on the phone mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, I, both of us have been in long distance yes. relationships. And so, it, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, then when we get back together again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that much sweeter if we've invested in the time of building that long distance relationship. And so my hope would be that with all these other things taken away, um, that not just pastors and officers, but folks in the pews take seriously the importance of staying as connected as they can to their brothers and sisters in the church. Um, You don't need a pastor or even an officer to call you. Members can call one another and build one another up. And yes, amen. And on that note, I would say um, Trevin Wax at the Gospel Coalition, he wrote this fantastic article um, published today, and it's called, Do We Really Want to Go Back to Normal? And he talks about mm-hmm. the, you know, just kind of like where we're headed, um, you know, in society in terms of our disconnection, our isolation, um, you know, things because we've become more and more reliant on technology. And this has been kind of a, a shakeup, if you will. Um, you know, it's forced us, I think, and I, I've kind of noted this from the beginning, it's forced us to really examine our priorities. And so basically his encouragement is to, you know, build, build, build a new normal. You know, it's like, what, what is it about this? you know, this disruption, um, the shakeup, what do we know, like that needs to change for the better, um, in terms and particularly in terms of how we're supposed to be to one another. And so I would encourage our listeners to check that out. Um, you know, and I'll read a snippet here. He says, the question we should ask then is not when will we go back to normal, but should we want to go back to normal? And the follow-up question, what should the new normal be? What if this crisis is a divine disruption that allows us to rethink ourselves, to rethink our lives, to reconsider our habits? What if this crisis is a divine opportunity to reflect on what matters most and to order our lives accordingly? What if we now have the opportunity to make different decisions, to prayerfully discern how to create and cultivate a new and better normal on the other side of this crisis? What if we now have the chance to reset our expectations, to refocus our attention on what matters most and to recommit to the people we're called to love and serve. What if this season of total reliance on technology for spreading communications helps us 
see the limits of technology for building and sustaining community. What if this period of forced isolation could help us see the end result of radical individualism's trajectory so that in the end we come out of our enclaves and homes with a stronger commitment to our communities, our churches, and our country? Um, and, and I do think that these, you know, this disruption is, is forcing us to answer, answer those questions. I think so. And, and my prayer is that we answer them well. Amen. Because I'm, I'm concerned that when everything goes back to whatever semblance of normal is going to be, I mean, it's not going to be what it was before. Um, this is a 9-11 level tragedy in the life of our country and life of the world there's going to be before coronavirus and after coronavirus mm-hmm. we're not going back to what we were but when we are able to get together again you know we were joking about this my me and a couple of the other pastors you know uh, the first couple of weeks after this is all done we're going to have full church buildings going to be beautiful but by week three they're out there on a sunday everybody's gonna be out of the golf course or hunting or fishing or doing whatever they do on sundays and it's going to be empty in there again because we're going to forget what it meant to long for our together. Hmm. Um, and so I hope that we do come out of this stronger, but we have to resolve to come out of this mm-hmm. stronger. We have to commit to it. We have to say, hey, you know, um, church attendance, uh, regular church attendance, like 1.8 times a month. Let's bring that number up, right? Let's commit. There on the weekends to worship with the people of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a commitment. that's not a um, we're if we don't commit and resolve, we will fall away again in, in three or four mm-hmm. weeks. Um, and I hope we answer the good question. Talk of some things. I really hope that we do that. We pray about it. we encourage one another in it. You know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to hear saints talking to one another and be like, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Remember, remember during coronavirus when we couldn't be mm-hmm. together? Right. <laughs> How good is it that we can be together? Why aren't you here? Uh, it's, it's going to be important that we lean into one another and not allow each other to forget what we've just come through so that we can come out. Right. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, been a challenge for both of us for for everybody thing if you god are, bless god you bless, keep it to yourself um but the rest of us have been you know tripping and falling and doing our best to get through this and it has been difficult um but you know we just came through holy week and so lisa i wonder if you could i didn't prep you for this so oh, you know boy. good luck but I wonder if you could share as we close the the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ. How can that sustain us through this? How can that help us keep some semblance of peace and hope and joy in the midst of a really difficult trial like this? Because I think we can we can read a bunch of different articles that are out there and we can come up with our five different ways
as you as you your Bible. But that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the this this is the this is the passage that that just immediately came to mind in Hebrews chapter four and verse fourteen. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And man, if that passage is ever, ever more relevant as it is today, the fact that, you know, not, not just that he died on the cross for our sins, that he's reconciled us to the Father, but his act of obedience, his life on earth, the, you know, the isolate. I mean, if you consider like, we talk about isolation, right? You know, in our mm. homes, like the isolation that he experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane, when all of his followers were leaving him, when he was hanging on the cross. And like, we will never, ever have to do that. You know, I was telling my husband last night, there are people who try to, because they don't get that he paid the price, that try to emulate what he did. Like, we don't have to do that because he's gone before us. He's done it for us. And he sits at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us and he and he's making intercession out of one that who has sympathized with our weaknesses that's comforting amen amen it is and I, I, in that passage hold fast. fast and uh you know, that's what we're called to do to cling to jesus in this time because you know he is the one who leads us through the curtain, which is his flesh, into the Holy of Holies, where we can boldly approach the throne mm -hmm. of grace. And, and so I would encourage our people, um, you don't need to go looking for a bunch of different, uh, you know, uh, different tricks and tips to get you through this. The only way we're going to get through this as Christians and come out the other side with a true resolve to follow after Jesus is to cling to him in the midst mm -hmm. of this. And... Uh, and, and to come before the throne of grace, I mean, sin is going to be something that we are all going to be struggling with through this time when we are beaten down, when we're tired, when we are, um, you know, I think it's, it's not too much to say when we're being traumatized mm -hmm. by this. Um, it is easy to, to turn towards our sin and our vices. Um, we as Christians are invited to turn towards the throne of grace and find what we need there in our time of need. So Lisa, thank you for that final word. And Brothers and sisters and friends, thank you for listening to this episode of Family Discussion. We're going to be right back here again next week to talk a little bit more about some of the things that we're seeing in our culture, in our society, through the coronavirus. Um, the spotlight's being shown on some pretty ugly things. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But um, be encouraged. We're all in this together. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in the pews. We are going to get through this, Lord willing. We can even get through this stronger than we met in. So thank you for being with us today, and we will see you at our next episode of Family Discussion. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. 
If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion. <laughs>